Hell yeah, man. I just got back from watching the Dungeons and Dragons movie. Really? Because I have friends, some some friends who are like normal human beings and they see a trailer and they think, oh, that movie looks nice. We'll just go see that. Whereas I'm sitting there just like, you know, a bitter cunt, uh, obviously, which is great. Um because I I get to I get to watch them enjoy something that I hate, which is a weirdly perverse experience. Um, but actually, uh, I, I spent a lot of the time thinking about how this is just you know it's got that Marvel sheen on it, even though it is not yeah. a Marvel movie. I don't think it's even a Disney movie, although I haven't checked. Um, I have no idea who Wizards licensed this off to. Um, but it just you know it feels it feels like all of their fucking movies, yeah. right? Um, but basically it's, uh, it's a, it's a heist movie. And I've been thinking like, I've been trying to trace back the origin of this kind of movie. Like this movie is structured like guardians of the galaxy. And those two movies are basically like oceans 11, mm-hmm. right? You you get the, the, the crime boy gang together. Each of them has their own kind of skill set and personality and they're trying to do a thing. And to me, those movies are kind of Seven Samurai slash The Magnificent sure, Seven, yeah. because especially these more recent ones where they they maybe have a bit more of a um, a morally good through line than in your pure heist yeah. film. Um, I don't know. Can you think of movies that are structured like that that predate those movies? Like, I'm trying to go back as far as I can. A movie where you got to get the gang together to do a job, basically. There's gotta, and they're each member of the gang is a distinct sort of there's guy. There's got to be some noir, like, well, Asphalt Jungle, or where that, because, like, was this about jewel thieves in, like, fucking Milwaukee or something like that? I can't remember. I think it, it was a, in a made-up place. I don't think it was actually Milwaukee. But that, and that was a, <laughs> that was a novel from, like, that right. same decade. Um that's a really good question, and it's interesting if you want when you want to bring like ghouls and wizards and dragons into like why why not? Let's make something. Let's yeah. do. Oh, its subtitle is "Honor Among Thieves," isn't it? I'm just remembering this. Yeah, there, it, it's a heist. It's a heist movie set in a D and D setting. Honestly, it is a fun movie, but you know I if you if, if if you your brain is like mine and you can't you know, ever fully enjoy anything, you will have a similar experience. Well, it's like, uh, it's mush. It's mush nonsense. And that's like, Absolutely. I have a perverse like interest in the goop as, as we all know, I'm very, I'm very interested in this weird, like, you know, like, like runny mashed potatoes kind of cultural moment that we've been in for probably <laughs> 15 years that like, I mean, one of the, yep. like one of the first big, crests of a wave that happened with it was the fucking big bang theory it's that's like represents the sort of like uh uh at the time uh an apex of like weird like post postmodern self-aware pastiche culture all of this i think what's so interesting what's so pervert perverse and interesting about it is that it all makes sense now like yeah sure like yeah okay yeah, yeah, Dungeons and Dragons, but it's Oceans, but it's um, the Italian job. But Dungeons oh yeah, and right, 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 right. Okay. It's the the um the oh fuck, I don't remember what the country that they were in is called. I could have called it the that job, but in one ear out the other. I don't know. Fantasy names are bullshit. <laughs> Gary Gygax land. Um, without checking, what year would you say the Big Bang Theory started? There's a fun one for you. 2008 damn that was close 2007 mm, yeah. i uh i would have said like 2012s and i just googled it and i was like jesus Christ. i have a weird cultural memory okay. i have a weird cultural memory that it's it's pain. i mean it's painful honestly why should i no i mean it's it's fitting you, have, you should remember the greatest sitcom of all time. <laughs> you cannot believe the stuff that i struggled with today in my brain but i can co- always come within a year of whenever some awful television show came out <laughs> um, it's it's a painful existence it's not great it's not great but that's why you that's why we podcast that's true it's because we love the pain in the back of my head i'm still trying to figure out where what any of the D settings are called never winter is probably somewhere that's one yeah yeah that's folks at home yep you know you Florida. know <laughs> 
just Florida. It's Florida. Um, sometimes they do seem to go to England, um, or, or as they call it, the Underdark. That's a good one for someone. All right, enough of that shit. Uh- <laughs> Anger, sexual lust, the sorts of things that you experience when you're playing a video game. All these concepts originated with Karl Marx. So we've um, we've been on a, a little bit of a break, a little agab break. Um, astute listeners will notice that there hasn't been an episode in a little while, um, and that's actually because uh, I mean, not to overshare, but I am literally in England, so I've been fighting bloodborne enemies for months. Yeah. Uh, it's exhausting, but I've got uh, the cool like crow armor set and the big sword that you stick inside um, of a really big sword, and I'm feeling pretty pretty good about that. Um, how about you? What have what have you been up to? Lately? I got well, I got put in jail by the Nintendo company for um, oh uh, writing erotic fan fiction about Bowser. Um, oh, so yeah, I get it. Yeah, I was. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I got stuck. <laughs> yeah, now and now that they let me out of jail, Nintendo is going to take thirty uh, percent of all the words that I write um, uh-huh. uh, for <laughs> the foreseeable future after they deport me to where did they? De- where's the guy? From? He was like from. He's Canadian. I think he's from Toronto. Um, deported to Canada. Jesus I, Christ, I, Nintendo, I, you sick <laughs> fucks. Jump scare. Ugh. You gotta go. You gotta go live in <laughs> Toronto. Um, you. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I've been doing that. So Nintendo will be taking twenty-five to thirty percent of all of the words that I've written um, in the book that I am currently, oh, kind of closer to finishing. Um, uh, for my um, publisher, who I apologize to um, all the time. <laughs> so. Does this mean closer to finishing than starting? Is that what you're yes. saying? Yes. Yo, yo. Yes. Uh, Finally. Yeah. I've been waiting for someone to write a book for years. It's the first book, just like this is the first podcast. It's the first book. Um, We're kind of trendsetters. <laughs> I don't want to brag or anything. Yeah, yeah. So I have been uh, shedding um, portions of my soul in stress um over this thing but we're getting in better shape and yeah nice. that, that, thus the you know Nite- nintendo jail um bloodborne and uh writing i think is where uh, we've been but we're back and dare i say better than ever absolutely although i am looking out my window right now and there are pinkertons gathering <laughs> i maybe shouldn't have talked about the D movie quite so <laughs> no. soon you know wizards yeah be. if you say magic the gathering <laughs> three times then the literal pinkerton detective agency shows up at your house because holy shit i wish this happened when we did the red dead redemption 2 um episode oh, yeah. it would have been Funny. such a good yeah. bit fucking wizards you idiots you're ruining our bits you fucking you clowns you don't know how to do podcasts jesus yeah so, so apparently as the story goes apparently um a um a, a youtuber uh so or someone who has a youtube channel who's interested in magic the gathering who as far as i can tell has about as many subscribers as i do so clearly we're working with the big leagues here um Absolutely. Managed to per Saudi connections. Managed to purchase some. I know. Okay, so we're gonna. We're very quickly. People are going to learn. I don't know fucking anything about Magic Gathering. I don't know anything about it. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't know anything. I don't know anything. I am like a little baby. Okay, so to clarify, um, I have to out myself as someone who knows a little bit about Magic. Um, the uh, the this person was sent the wrong thing. They bought something, and then they sent them. By mistake, something that's not meant to be out yet. So this person did literally nothing wrong. They got sent something, and then they were like, hey, look at what they sent me. Um, and then Wizards is like, what if we fucking harass you with uh, you know, a mercenary police force? Would that be good? I think that... So Wizards is kind of coming off of some um, PR controversies on account of being 
you know, shitheads. Um, they were trying to extend their copyright claim basically to any like fan made content around D and D. They've been doing all sorts of bullshit with uh, magic. So I think this is the time. You know, you want to you want to get public opinion on your side. You start sending Pickertons <laughs> to people's homes and. Uh, Wizards, if you're listening, I know you are. You clearly don't spend any of your time doing anything else. Um, hire me to like do your like PR strategy. I've got this. I'm gonna send so many Pinkertons out, and you guys are gonna be fucking top of the world this time next yeah, year. We're just gonna hire the mob, um, uh, just straight up at this point. Mm-hmm. Just like we're like, yeah, you can you can find you can find your your the address for the all gamers are bastards pr agency on the island of sicily and just for fun we're hiring the guy who played uh Polly walnuts yeah it's our first hire yeah why not okay. yeah imagine imagine you purchase something on the internet and then um as punishment for giving someone your money um uh, <laughs> uh the uh uh the uh, um pr- some of the, the primary disruptors of the great railroad strike of 1877 the great upheaval <laughs> show up to your house and threaten to put you in jail for 10 years and uh fine you $200,000 in a way it's it is kind of what anyone who engages with magic the gathering deserves <laughs> so maybe we should be thanking them for correcting this horrible plague upon our culture <laughs> i should clarify i have Magic the Gathering cards in my line of sight uh, right now. <laughs> and you know what? It It's, if this is what has to happen, you know, that's fine. Yeah. Who, who better to leverage that critique, really? Yeah. Um, so you can tell I'm not coming from a place of self-interest here. Uh, this is a sincerely held belief. The Pinkertons should harass everyone who plays the Magic the Gathering card game. And, un, you know, totally unrelated from the previous topic, uh, this week's episode of Agab is sponsored by uh, the Yu-Gi-Oh card game. Um, Does Hasbro own that, too? I have no idea. That would be really funny. <laughs> that would be fucking awesome. Hang on, hang on, hang on. I'm doing some hot on-the-air research. Who owns Yu-Gi-Oh card game? Konami. Ah. Uh. Yeah, this, uh, like every episode of Agab, this one is sponsored by Konami, <laughs> um, a, a company that we've always maintained has never done anything wrong. Don't check. Don't, yeah, just don't look it up. It's fine. All right, so here's the thing. Um, on my way here, so I'm coming back from the Dungeons & Dragons cinematic experience, and can I just say, two hours and 14 minutes. Oh. That's... You don't need to do that this is a chris pine led DD movie you give me 90 minutes you let me get out of there all right venom venom 2 they're both a tight 90 great you know phenomenal 10 out of 10 movies um i would put them up there with citizen kane um as we all well know um so on the way back i thought you know what what does a video game podcast need to thrive um so i popped into taco bell really quickly um now i as we established i live in bloodborne um, and our Taco Bell menu is not the extravagant thing that the American one is. You know, we can't go in there and order a, a, a massive Cheeto that's been hollowed out and just like a, a mysterious cheese sauce has been poured into it. And then there's a piece of lettuce on it. So all the food groups are represented. Um, but they had something that they refer to as a naked chicken taco. Now, have you ever heard of such a thing in no. your life? Well, I don't know what that is. Okay. Well, nor had I. And so I asked the the poor, unsuspecting um, teenager working uh, at the bell. And they go into the back and they, they come back with a taco shell that is a, a fried chicken piece um, shaped into a taco shell. Um, and they're like, yeah, we basically just load this up with like, you know, cheese and sour cream and, and lettuce. Um, and so I look at that and I, I feel a distinct turning in my stomach. So I do purchase right. two real right. quick. Um, just real quick. And actually I'm going to try one live on the pod right you now. This is a new segment, uh, that I'm going to call, um, K is self-harming. Hold on. Let me have a little bite of this. Okay, you know what? You know what? That's actually not that bad. 
It's not bad. It's full of, like, lettuce and tomatoes, so it almost feels like there's a vegetable happening, even though I know that's all a lie. Mmm. Mm. All right, yeah, you know what? Um, Agab is sponsored by Taco Bell okay. now. Okay, let me write that down. Yeah, and, um... Taco. Yeah, write that down, and, um, I'm trying to remember the name of the guy in the suit. Um, Review Bra, yeah. Oh! Um, I'm coming for you, bitch. I'm, I'm fucking... I'm coming for you in your little tie. You're dead. You're done. He talks like this. I can't remember his name. Yeah. He sounds... He's great. He's got, like, this old-timey New York thing that he's doing. I have no fucking it's clue. It's definitely... It's very mid... He has, like, a the mid-Atlantic mid accent right. that no longer exists in nature. <laughs> um... In nature. Uh, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's a... Uh, um, that reminds me of the... Uh, I cannot believe it. I just Googled it, and apparently it has returned. Are you familiar with the concept of the KFC double down? Oh, my brother in Allah, Christ, and and, and all of their friends. Yes, you, you can indeed obtain that item here. Um, I'm not sure if the Diablo 4 crossover... <laughs> Um, with the double down is present in the United Kingdom at this time. However. Yeah, so you see where I was going with this. Yeah, it remind it reminds <laughs> me a lot um, uh, of first of all the the uh, the KFC double down uh, sandwich, and here it's a podcast, so you can't see me doing very strong quotation marks around the word sandwich. <laughs> um, of what is actually two pieces of fried chicken with uh, things in between them. Uh, but also oh, yeah. that, um, the double down was brought back for the month of March specifically, which you could, if you, if you went to KFC, this is, this is, this is how we're, as, this is how we're doing things these days. You go to KFC and you say, I, I, I've, I've lost my will to live. Um, or maybe it is my, I, I, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm fully in the throes of the death drive. Give me one of these things that has chicken for bread. Yeah, that was me and Taco Bell. I, I, I said, I don't love myself, so I will have two. Yes, and two, uh, they gave me a very knowing, uh, knowing sort of sad <laughs> smile. I shared a little moment. Yeah, it was a, a, mo a moment of recognition, uh, the philosophical recognition, if you will. Um, affirming. Yeah, that's not a joke. That <laughs> I'm sure. Oh, I'm, I'm positive that. It did. <laughs> I I would feel you. You have a very as someone who's met you in person. You have a trusting. I would trust you with this, with the with a with a sense of camaraderie in that moment, right? Um, yeah, I like to think so. Yeah, you, you have a that you have a a welcoming disposition about you in that way. Um. Oh, that's so nice. Well, that, that part is genuine and true. And now um, I'm going to talk about how if you went and you got the KFC double down in the month of March, you got access to Diablo 4 beta, <laughs> <laughs> which is like 2023. We're back, <laughs> we're back baby. Uh, I think like you know, the word COVID really, you know, we talked about it in our last episode from last year and our uh, sort of game of the year roundup, how uh, COVID... Um, was tough on all industry, but particularly on the gaming industry. So we had a couple of years of, you know, um, you know, me putting, uh, golfing games in my top five, uh, or whatever. Um, uh, no longer, uh, we are, we are, we are backfiring on full cylinders. Um, uh, capitalist realism is back. Um, and it's better than ever. You can still get the KFC thing. And do you remember Diablo? Um, <laughs> remember Diablo. Oh, there's an open access beta, and yeah, incredible shit. That was uh, um, it was it was almost it was almost criminal that we weren't uh, around to um, one thousand three hundred and eighty milligrams of sodium, one hundred and twenty five percent of your daily sodium intake. And that's really good. Yeah, it's eff efficiency, <laughs> right? Like thirty seven grams that's of fat. <laughs> That's a bonus twenty five percent on top. Come on, that's great. <laughs> gotta get up. Gotta get that sodium. Gotta get my. Uh, you know, I'm min maxing. Um, <laughs> min maxing. One hundred and fifty milligrams of cholesterol. Uh, yeah, hell yeah. I don't even know what a good amount of that is, but I'm going to assume that's the correct that, amount. That is, um, that is the I, exact amount that you should have. In, not just because we're sponsored by KFC uh, on this one. Right. Oh, shit, okay. That's unrelated. Okay, I'm making sure I gotta keep up with all of our sponsorships so we can get all that video game money as the Agab account. We're getting so much. <laughs> as Agab's accountant, you should know we're getting 
so much video game money. Um, but we simply must uh, tell our listeners once again um, that if you buy the KFC Double Down, you get access to the Diablo 4 beta. <laughs> and if you eat the whole thing in under 30 seconds while a member of staff watches, you get like a little in-game trinket. You get an achievement. Um, <laughs> you get, you get You're going to force them to watch it. They're going to try and not watch. They don't want to. Who, who wants to watch you do that? No, but you got to make them. So chase you might around. have to jump the counter yeah. for this chase, one. But chase them around the Real register. gamers get it done. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Corner them by the Look fryer. At <laughs> Look at this. <laughs> 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 Fuck yeah. Um, sorry, Skittles is distracting me with. She's giving me a little bit of attitude. What's Skittles? What could you possibly need? Steven Crowder has just announced that, and I want everyone to brace themselves. I'm just seeing on Twitter Bracing. that he has, uh, he is going through a divorce. The man, <laughs> ha- he has like, a, he ha- the logo for his show is an illuminated, like, it looks like a beer sign. It looks like the Coors Light logo. but And he has a gun on his mm-hmm. desk. Uh, but you're telling me this man, yeah. this man is going through a divorce? No. His show is truly for the boys. You know what I'm saying? He was like born by divorce. Divorce made like as a he person. Was born by the, he was conceived by yeah, divorce. Yeah, he was conceived. Like it is his <laughs> paternal and maternal lineage is that bitch. <laughs> like is is like yeah. that, that dude's whole essence is, you know, that conversation you have with someone who is talking about their ex and clearly they're in the wrong <laughs> and their ex is correct. And you just have to be like, yeah, 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 man. Yeah. That sounds tough. That sounds. Rough. Yeah. She sounds like a real crazy bitch. Yeah, she didn't even. She's insane. Didn't even like that you, uh, you know, converted the garage into a studio <laughs> you never use. It's fine. Yeah, you spent you spent twelve grand in a month on uh, uh, rifles that you don't know how to shoot. This is clearly a, a her problem. Yeah, I can't believe she didn't like let you just leave them on the coffee table when you've got a two year old child in the house. It's fine. What a bitch. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, women are just like that. Um, and that's why it's so important to, um, I don't know, whatever Steven Crowder is trying to get you to do. You listen to him. He seems like he's got it all figured out. I mean, you know, he's getting a divorce and everything. Yeah, it's really the, it's the, it's the of our moment sort of like move, right? Is uh, getting divorced and fired or whatever. Um, I wish I could get divorced. I think that would add a, a fun edge to me. Good branding. Um yeah, it'd be good branding. I could really take over the podcast by complaining about, you know, my bitch wife. Um, that would rock. It would be so dope to be divorced. <laughs> That's the that'd be the best bit of my life. Um, one day, one day I'm gonna get there. Dream. You gotta have something to aspire to. You can, ever since I was little, I was dreaming the day, the day I got divorced. So, what's with video games? Do we, uh, is this a, do we do video games on this podcast? Uh, sometimes. I don't know anymore. I'm, I'm thinking we have a lot of non-video game segments, which I appreciate. Um, I really fucked up the Sopranos corner because I never watched the final season. I'm gonna. That's fine. We, I don't know why. You get the time. Well, the timeline is, you know, it doesn't matter. Time is. It doesn't matter. Nothing. I watched the first five seasons of Sopranos quite quickly and then I just stopped. I think I got really busy and then I was like. It's the last season. I need to make sure I'm I'm ready. I'm ready to fully True. In, get in there, dig into it. Um, but that hasn't happened yet. You can tell where I am in terms of gaming because I'm playing Animal Crossing again. It's a cry for help. Yeah, really. But uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm still in my usual. Uh, I I always uh, like to make fun of the the, the uh, grips in both on this podcast and in um, other places around the internet. Like the the cold firm grip of nostalgia it has on uh, the backs of all of our <laughs> shoulders, directing our gaze, and yet I spend all of my time playing Monster Rancher Two for the PlayStation and Animal Damn, Crossing, uh, which honestly it's fine. Um, I haven't played nice. anything new. I've been um, I've been playing a lot of like poker in real life. Uh, <laughs> fun. Yeah, I'm into I'm into very light gambling now. Um and I I kind of feel like I should take up smoking. Um <laughs> Whenever I'm playing poker, just to be clear, I'm wearing a Hawaiian shirt with just 
a couple too many buttons yep. undone, and that's kind of the vibe. And maybe some gold so chains. So cool, okay. Also Honestly, good for you. <laughs> <laughs> it's, impe- it's impeccable. Impeccable. I won the last game, so oh, yeah, look at that. Shout out, shout out to me, Card Shark in the house. Don't inquire about the previous game. <laughs> no, those ones don't count. <laughs> those don't count. That was a mulligan. Have you seen the movie Rounders? I have not seen the movie Rounders. Okay, you gotta watch Rounders, and we'll talk about it next time. Okay, my podcast homework is to watch Rounders, which I will do. Actually, hold on, I'm gonna Google this because it sounds really familiar, and I might be dumb. Let me let me have a little. Matt Damon, Edward Norton. Uh, is one of them a card counter guy? Uh, John Malkovich is in this. Yeah, he, he has somebody named Teddy KGB. What the fuck is this? He, it's just it's just John Malkovich, but with like the most insane accent you've ever heard in your entire life. It's great. So my thing is that I hate Matt Damon, so I will be watching this movie. Um, <laughs> it's a goofy. It's soon. a goofy ass movie, but in like a great way. I, I haven't seen it since in years hell yeah i watched um oh fuck i don't remember what's called i watched a movie recently i think it might have been called mom and dad uh, and in it it's um it's a movie about boomers mm. uh in it the tv makes everyone try to kill their children uh which is not really a a, a subtle um sort of metaphor it came out in 2017 which should maybe tell you what was on the film's mind. Uh, but importantly, the father of the main family is played by Nicolas Cage. Oh, yeah. And um, he loves killing his kids. But importantly, he is never in the same room as any of the other actors. And you can really, really tell. I love that. And yeah, I highly recommend it um, just for a few scenes. And you will know them when you see them where um, he is just not there. And it's great. <laughs> <laughs> really what we got to do for bonus content, which I know we've discussed talking about uh, video games and sarcastic quotation marks in bonus content, but we got to do like a cage, mm-hmm. a cage retrospective. Um, Dr. Dr. Oz has a cameo as himself in this movie. That's great. I found that very interesting because it feels like the film is quite critical of, you know, kind of everything Dr. Oz stands for, but they... They paid him to show up in the movies, so I know you know what do you fucking make of that? Well, like, as we learned, it's really weird. As we learned when he ran for Senate uh, in Pennsylvania, despite being registered to vote in New Jersey, Doctor Oz is not entirely sure of what's going on at any given point. Um, <laughs> when he talked about um, the, like his his bona fides were relating to working families by complaining about charcuterie or something. Uh, that Senate race was really funny. It's like Dr. Oz versus literally the biggest man you've ever seen, like the pro wrestler caucus of the Democratic Party. He he, he is very big. I didn't know. I didn't even know he was going against. Oz. Yeah, it was against Dr. Oz. <laughs> if, if you can believe it. Damn, that was just a proper fucking cartoon election. It then. was. Yeah, God. it was some. There was some pretty <laughs> Andre the Giant shit. versus Dr. Oz. Let's go. Yeah. yeah um, I, the United States really strikes me as a real country i've always said that about it you know <laughs> yeah nothing weird and um synthetic about everything that's happened here for the past 300 years absolutely as someone who has frequently had to teach uh, american history um first of all someone who frequently has had to teach about um it, various incidents where in which the pinkerton detective agency was conscripted um but again this is the <laughs> 19th in the early 20th century the united states seems like a very real and actual place absolutely skittles is kind of fighting some bubble wrap in the background <laughs> so if that's picking up on my end uh listeners that's a little treat for you that's a little window into what she's up to you just got free um, skittles content you just got free Skittles content. I don't know what the fuck she's doing. It's fine. Um, so on today's exciting episode of Dragon Ball Z, we are talking about a, a little video game called Do Not Feed the Monkeys, even though it, it feels like it should be called Don't Feed the Monkeys. But contractions are, you know, um, for communists and homosexuals. So, you know, we don't really participate in that sort of thing on this podcast. Now, Don't Feed the Monkeys is a game with a pretty simple concept that I think we'll be able to, to get a lot out of here. Um, you are part of uh, a sort of a, a, a cult slash like gig economy pyramid scheme almost uh, that revolves around 
paying money to watch security cameras and a shady organization asks you to um, give them certain bits of data based on what you observe on the cameras, basically. Um, but there's also extracurricular things you can do based on your observation, uh, but the one rule is don't feed the monkeys. Don't engage with the quote-unquote monkeys in the quote-unquote cages, because obviously these cameras are all watching people in various settings. Um, some are in places of business, some are, are clearly in people's homes, um, and you you get into some, some pretty illicit little situations that give you little bits of insight into this world, which is probably one that will feel fairly familiar to anyone who, uh, you know, has to, like, work a job today. <laughs> What do you what do you think? What do you think about do not feed the monkeys, Kyle? So it's a game for if you're terminally online, if you have neck, shoulder, and back problems from sitting too much, if you've ever um felt control societies encouraging you to be a joyful citizen by snitching and surveilling on people. Oh yeah, I know that one. Yeah, yeah. See, very familiar. <laughs> if your boss is some kind of an app, then this is the game for you. You are already playing this game in real life, so it might as well be The Sims or whatever. Um Yeah. Yeah, do not feed the monkeys. Here's an interesting thing. Uh um us as uh English speakers were interested in putting a contraction into this Spanish made game and me as a um, Southerner in the United States, for some reason, has called. I have called this game. Please do not feed the monkeys. Eight hundred million times. There's no pl <laughs> please. Do please. Not feed the I monkeys. put please at the beginning of the title of this game, and I have. I've. I've like like. Na I naturally put the word please at the beginning, which I always thought was really funny. It's a game about you get recruited into this like, yeah, this pay to participate service called the Primate Observation Club where you can like you're observing these different cages um uh which are basically just surveillance cameras that are set up inside of people's homes these people they know that the surveillance camera is set up there at least some of some of them do it seems like people who um that there's some sort of active participation feedback in this relationship but yeah, the the only rule that you're basically given, a rule that you're the game encourages you to break, um, is to not directly interact with the subjects and and instead act as this kind of like data gathering like vacuum or whatever. Um, yeah, it's a. Can I interject yes, on that point? Um, something I really loved is the way you're encouraged to break these rules, and it kind of reminded me of. Um, I have worked gig economy sales jobs and sales is something that is very theoretically tightly regulated. Yeah. You can't make a vulnerable person sign a contract theoretically, but let me tell you, those jobs are based on commission and I have seen some pretty bleak shit. Uh, I can at least say for myself that I never took advantage of anyone. And incidentally, I didn't last very long. Yeah. Um, and there's all these sort of, these are the rules, but there's an understanding that you're going to break them. Uh, and I thought that was the, the way that feels, I thought was really well represented in this. It's like, Hey, if you get caught, you're fucked. Cause we told you not to do it, but we know you're going to do it. Yeah. It's, it's this presumed, um, sense of how the world works that I think is what makes the game so interesting. For the record, I love this game. I think it's oh yeah, hell yeah. So it's incredibly unique. And, and before I forget, they're releasing a sequel. Um, I don't know if there's been an, an announcement. You can wishlist it on Steam. I know that it's called Do Not Feed the Monkeys 2099. Um, there's a trailer out and, and a demo. Um, that you can play and you can also I, wishlist. I didn't it on know there Steam. was a demo. I'm going to fucking play that demo after this. <laughs> I'm, I'm very excited to, I'm really excited that they're making another one, not just because I love the game, but because it gives us a chance to kind of come back and revisit the very, very heavy themes that are present throughout this entire game. Because as we were alluding to, this is like a, it's, 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 it is a game of post workplace digital labor, like, which if anyone has, like, if you're, if you're, 
alive and in the world, you understand that this is the sort of direction that we're going in. In between a, yeah. a rentier economy and the proliferation of gig work, which in the game, you have to... What's so interesting about the game is that in order to re, to sort of keep the game going, you have to uh, basically f- feed the corporation by purchasing a certain number of cages over, um, I think it's like every... every five days or every once or every week or something like that every five days you have to essentially have a certain number of cages unlocked all which cost money um you also have to pay rent on your apartment um you can only be late Mm -hmm. on that for two days before you get evicted and then the game ends and rent is paid by the day yeah which i found fascinating (laughs) yeah every three days the landlord shows up to take rent um, yeah. and you can, you have to supplement your income either by, um, working with the primate observation society to answer questions that they have for you. They'll ask you to gather information like the address of a particular cage, um, or just like the name of somebody. Um, and you have, you use that by listening and spying on people's conversations, listening in and observing them. And then writing down words in a notebook that you then Google, basically, um, you put into a search engine in various combinations and that leads you to other information. Um, so it has this like, there's a, there's a word that Mark Fisher uses in probably my favorite essay of his, which is really an essay about time. Um, and this is a game in a lot of ways about time and how little of it you oh, yeah. have, um, at any given moment. Um, but he called it the insomniac drift of cyberspace. Which is like what he's doing in that essay is he's talking about our relationship with boredom and freedom and independence from our workplace. There's always one more click. There's always one more email to send, always one more thing to do. Um, and this sort of post workplace digital labor economy. Um, so this game takes all of that and emphasizes, I think, one of the most important parts of that descriptive that that description of our contemporary society which is the sense of enjoyment um that comes from a game that is like is about voyeurism in a way but i would argue that because of the the because of how contemporary society works that our concept of voyeurism is not nearly as like is not the center point um of our expression in these contexts but rather because because it's not as controversial there's literally degrees to which people are indulging these sort of voyeuristic impulses, considering the availability and proliferation of personal information on the internet, that in all actuality, we're more encouraged to operate under the assumption that not just the sort of, per, like, the society, the control society we participate in is granting us certain permissions and in inserting these, like, largely invisible pulleys and levers into our lives to kind of control how we live our life, but that we consent to this, a refoundation of ourself within the context of this knowledge. So, so I like my self-expression is contingent upon my ability to see myself reflected in other people on like fucking TikTok. I think about TikTok in particular, which like Mm. is, it's bad folks. It's bad. If you (laughs) use TikTok, I'm sure you understand this. That's the problem. I'm sure you get it. We were talking about this like sort of cultural slurry that we live in or whatever. Well, TikTok's the perfect example of it. You don't make choices on TikTok. The algorithm makes choices for you. Now I know that there's like a, you can follow people and then you can like, there's a tab that you can switch over to where you follow, where you can watch the videos of the people that you follow, but you're, it's constant video content being curated ultimately for you. And this kind of like dispensation of society that we're currently in, um, really encourages our like active participation, not just in like keeping the phone in front of us and scrolling through it and interacting and clicking, but the grounding of our sense of self in this relationship between us and ultimately a piece of technology that is mediating everything else. Um, I think it's really interesting. I don't think I've played a game, honestly. I've played games that have, we've played games, I think, that have like engaged with these ideas in some ways, but I don't know if any game I've played so far ever has more effectively diagnosed the kind of like world we live in 
with this anonymous corporation that that is, that is granting you this degree of quote unquote independence, but from within this system of capture um, that retains and maintains the way that you live your life by inserting itself more readily into the, the where you live, how you eat, how you sleep, um, and it, it's it's demanding. You, not just your consent, but like your full embrace of this kind of way of living. Like, because you don't have a fucking choice. You have to be like, the thing about the game is that you have to, the, the, once you can figure out how early on in a playthrough, it's a game that you have to play through multiple times to be able to see everything. But like, once you figure out how to like get your income under control early in the game, all of a sudden it's not like you can eventually you get good enough at the game to where you stop worrying about money. You know how to get enough money in order to be able to do what you really want to do, which is gather more information about other people and observe them and see what they're doing and use that as this, like it's, it becomes your entire motivation. It's incredibly interesting. And they keep you financially incentivized to do that because every, um, so I forget how many days it is, but every week or whatever, you have to buy more cages yep. or you get kicked out of the program. Um, and it ramps up week by week to the point where, again, you kind of have to do some, you got to feed the monkeys a bit, um, to stay on top of it while fucking, even if you're doing all the, the stuff the company asks of you, what, uh, to, you know, eat and pay rent as well. Um, and at the end of it, you know, spoilers at the, if you successfully reach the highest level, um, you know, they kill you. Yeah. Um, and I think that's this really perfect way of, of kind of describing how these gig economy jobs feel because they do, they fucking chew you up and ask more and more of you with the understanding that you're not going to be there in a year. Most likely, you know, they're going to get as much as they can out of you and then they're going to fucking throw you away. Um, you know, in this case, it's quite literal and on the nose, but it's it's just how all of these jobs work. Um, and I think that it's really, really interesting that um, they let you move around the house or well, your flat, I guess I should say. I think that that adds a really interesting layer because there's two rooms, yeah. basically. Um, I I pictured it as kind of like a studio flat. You, you can go into your kitchen and then there's kind of your living room slash bedroom room. Um, and something that genuinely gave me chills was, uh, my first playthrough, I, when something's happening on one of your cameras, it gives you like a little notification. When there's an email, you get like a little beep. Yeah. And I was in the kitchen trying to like sort out food, um, because you've got to feed yourself. Right. You got to get enough sleep or enough caffeine. You got to balance your, you know, physical needs. Yeah. So, but when you're in your kitchen, you can hear the fucking notifications coming from your computer. Um, there's no, you don't leave your, your room. Things are, are brought to you. I think, I think you can leave to get groceries, but that's not shown. Um, and that's, you know, that's kind of feels like wasted time because it's time you're not interacting with the cages. Um, so you're constantly connected to the system of, of notifications and incentives and little, little treat pellets. Um, you know, metaphorical treat pellets getting dropped for you. Like, oh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting a little, a little tidbit of data or I'm getting that extra bit of like voyeurism or, or whatever it is I'm getting out of this camera. Um, and it's, it's a fucking panopticon. Like you're, there's no, there's nowhere you can go that you are not, um, attached to it basically. Um, and that doesn't remind me of anything in real life at all. Don't even worry about it. And that doesn't that doesn't lead directly perfectly into I think the f sort of foundational texts, if you will, of literally the whole game, which is it, like a, a, it's a conversation between two thinkers that people talk about a lot, but I don't think read as much as they pretend to. Which is on the one hand Michel Foucault, and on the other hand, other hand Guy Deleuze. Um, there's an essay that I talk about way too much that I used to basically <laughs> force on historians because I found it so interesting and they would call me a presentist and then I'd say go fuck yourself or whatever. But like there's, an there's a short essay yeah, that uh, Deleuze wrote in 1990. Well, he published in 1990 um, 
uh, called Postscript on the Societies of Control. And it's this really powerfully descriptive essay about um, the transition from what Michel Foucault described as the disciplinary societies of the 18th and the 19th century um, into what Deleuze and Guattari, uh, he borrows a lot from his frequent collaborator and writing partner in here, um, described as societies of control. And it can control societies in contract with – so, well, for, on the one hand, the – if you're not familiar with Foucault's work, the idea of the, the disciplinary societies of the 18th and 19th century is a particular point um, in human society that um, sees uh, power expressing itself within these fixed enclosures in particular. So that's where you hear about the relationship between the prison, um, uh, the clinic, um, and the school and the barracks in Foucault, there's a, um, sort of a, yeah. a popular idea that it's the idea that you go from your parents' house to the school, to the barracks, or to the university, um, to the to the factory, um, to the prison, etc., to the clinic. Um, that it's how disciplinary power has manifest has manifested itself at that time and then throughout modernity. Um, this is something that is conditional upon the proliferation of capitalism as well. It is incredibly useful for understanding how capitalism functions and the way especially um, that it enacts this sense of, of enclosure, control, and the way that it, to, the way that society, society um, as it is, um, sort of protects and maintains itself in a particular way as it sort of changes because uh, contemporary society is flexible um, in its way, in capitalism as uh, particularly as well. That's something that I think is important to understand about capitalism is how it retains this sense of flexibility so it can continue to evolve and change over time based off of whatever preconditions of society is allowing it. So... Uh, what Deleuze is describing in this essay is the move from this disciplinary power to the power of control and modulation. Um, in uh, he describes uh, in Guattari, Guattari describes it um, as uh, a, a system of codes, which are these flexible systems of capture that are um, dividuating, if you will. Imagine, think of yourself as a data point, right? We're talking about social media. Think about your interaction with social media and what it tells that particular, um, that what what that particular closed and fixed system about the the sort of decisions that you make as you you know pass from one place to another, make a choice to watch this thing or to watch that thing. Um, but also the idea of a code as an object of control. Think about a password, right? Like, what if someone changed your password? So I got it. Like all you got to think about, there's you have a password for something important. What if whoever made that thing or whoever provides that thing changed it? Um, think about codes as data points that follow you in the form of debt, for example. Debt as one of the most like defining characteristics of like art, like the ontology of debt, like that we are sort of forced that's forced upon us. Or say you get arrested. Right. And you have a particular record that even if that record is like, so you get arrested as a juvenile. None of this is speaking from personal experience, obviously. So you get arrested as a juvenile <laughs> and then that arrest record gets expunged. Right. Well, good news. Right. That's supposed to be um, that particular disciplinary mechanisms way of reforming individual people well the thing about expunged records is that if you get arrested again that expungement goes away it's conditional so all of a sudden you're changing um and influencing yourself in the way that you behave in the world based off of a a, a code a data point that follows you from place to place so what's so incredibly interesting about this game um, is how it reminds us that the control society, um, it has all the preconditions of the disciplinary society. And it's not just the power um, of the disciplinary society, but the origins of the power of, of power's history itself is sort of buried in there. So on the one hand, you're 
you're you're you're in in do not feed the monkeys you're this like you're conscious of your observation of these individual people however what's most important about it is the implicit consent that is like woven throughout the entire universe how do these cameras get set up in the first place um you can see that the cameras can be taken down if you do the if you interact with someone in the cages and you push them too far you freak them out or whatever they usually disconnect the camera themselves sometimes they flee and they leave they don't there are some people who do not realize that the camera is in there and there are some people who know that it's there the one, the main one that I'm thinking about, and we'll probably we can talk about it in bonus content for the real juicy stuff. But the guy who's literally modeled after Hitler, um, oh yeah, <laughs> he's like supposed to be an old, basically he's an old Nazi, and you find out by just watching him for five minutes that he's basically an old Nazi. Um, and if you call yeah. him and you scare him and being like you're an old Nazi or whatever, he'll say fuck you and he'll get up and he'll disconnect the camera and then you'll get a strike on your record. Also, the FBI is in your apartment building. Like the it, oh yeah yeah it just doesn't it what's so brilliant about the game and I rambled long enough but what's so brilliant about the game is that it doesn't stop at any one point it's about flux these various mechanisms of control and modulation that are ultimately flexible um, systems of capture and that are constantly looking to change and alter themselves based off of uh, increase rapidly accelerating conditions. So as things can change just as fast as we're able to sort of like change ourselves, all of a sudden the conditions through which that was that gave rise to that sense of self have automatic have changed. And so all we yeah. have is left is this sort of precondition of power that we can just accept and be like, okay, well, you can ha you have permission to not just be in my life, but to tell me how to live it. And I think that's incredibly descriptive and powerful and i have not seen another game do that i just have i'm sure it exists i'm sure a, a, a user a, a wonderful listener will put me onto another game that i don't have time to play uh. <laughs> <laughs> well it's 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 so all-encompassing in please do not feed the monkeys because there are See, other jobs i i know i was i was accepting i was accepting your superior name for the game <laughs> um there you can go do like odd jobs um and it's also all gig economy stuff it's just you can just go yeah. drive a fucking car for a couple hours or go do like a just show up at a fucking warehouse and stack boxes for a couple hours like you don't have a job there's constant rotating expendable gig gigs right. basically um and that helps to, and this is something I've been thinking about as a lot of um, workplaces are reshaping around apps and, and gig employment, is that allows the primate observation society, is that what it's called? It allows what they're doing to almost become naturalized in a way, because it is already kind of shaped like how every other kind of work is shaped. Yeah. It's got the added weirdness of buying in, but that's not that much of a stretch with how, you know, capital already works. You know, you can frame it to yourself as investing in, in your little thing that you're doing, you know. Um, and I think that that's a really nice touch that they show that other work is shaped similarly. You know, there's not like you're not passing up on being a wagey you know you're not passing up on like a salaried nine to five to do this you're passing up on driving fucking uber or something yeah it has, they have the, the jobs have their own prerequisites um you can't do some of them because you have you need certain kind of experience but it's all gig it's three jobs that attach are attached to your bulletin board every morning um and what's so yeah. – we were talking about earlier the getting control of your spending and making sure you have enough money to feed yourself, making sure you're getting enough sleep and you're staying healthy because if, if you just eat – if you get delivery food delivered to you, um, none of it's healthy. Um, but if you go to the store, um, it takes – it's 30 minutes each way unless you can interact with someone and you – 
I can't remember how you get the the fast grocery store. I think it's the the per, the the woman who's the driver for the celebrity who's taking nude pictures of her. You have to threaten her, and she becomes your personal driver and takes you. Yeah, yeah, you blackmail her. Yeah, yeah. So, um, it's 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 like it's sense of how like time and work works is it's it's so smart it's so smart and like it's still this like it's not like in it's not a like it's a game that's like that feels like it feels like science fiction still it's silly in a lot of ways it has it has a really good sense of humor it's very referential too. There's all these different references that are kind of like speaking of the cage with the um, the guy who's not Hitler. There's a bunch of references to like the Great Dictator and other films from that like from that era um, buried mm-hmm. into that as well. Um, and I found that really interesting. Um, it's 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 a it's a smart but not too smart, fun, interesting like. Again, almost it feels very much like science fiction. It feels like a, a take on science fiction. However, it's like it's like no, this is just this is just how shit works. This is just how shit works now. It's so descriptively powerful that I can almost like it's why like often when we play games, like I feel like I can finally put the game to rest. Like, and I have a tendency we talk about games on this podcast, and I feel like oh, I, I said I at least said part of my p. I like. And I have a tendency to not revisit them, at least not immediately. But that's not going to happen with this game. Like, there's a couple of cages that I haven't finished yet. Um, and there's ones yeah. that I want to try different things. I love the cage with the um, the, the guy who's stuck in the elevator of the building yeah. that's being remodeled. Yeah, that's a really good one. Um, I've played the game twice, and I feel like there's got to be some I haven't seen. There's definitely endings I haven't seen. I really like the um the 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 kind of washed up musician. Yeah, who who who's trying to get drugs. Yeah, yeah, and you can you can you can have drugs delivered to his home. Yep. <laughs> uh oh, what do you make of the um the the sort of communist, like the labor activist guys? That's the one guy who just keeps getting like um, food from like a, a Chinese place or something delivered, like the activist in a room. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever like given them a bunch of money? Like you bankrolled their their project? No, I haven't gotten far enough in that. I didn't get far enough in that particular cage. Okay, that I I would recommend that one. I find it uh, kind of interesting. That that was even in the game, I guess. I just feel like everything, most of what you do is so, like, cynical and gross. And I find it interesting that you can do a couple, like, kind of cool things. Like, it's not, it affords you that that tiny bit of, like, moral wiggle room while you're, you know, doing something grotesque and invasive, which I find kind of, like, funny. And that is also kind of how a lot of, business interactions under capitalism feel um you know you can do these little nice things in this like structure where the fact that you're even standing where you are is like no that's not good is it <laughs> like the ghost like the ghost riders with the abusive boss um oh yeah yeah they're really interesting they had they talk a lot so you can sit there and watch them uh they're off the, they're at basically collaborating they're stuck in a room with a metal door with an absolutely terrifying um, Fiona, I think is her name, with a very abusive boss, and there's mm-hmm. it's four people ghost riding for their abusive boss, and they have these like conversations about their work, conversation about what's going on. Um, they're all clearly like like so many of us overeducated, underpaid, like can't get work in our field. Everyone's working on their own thing. Um, they use. Yeah. Um, the, like, like I, I know s- several of them call each other comrade, uh, but they're like racially diverse and they're diverse in age where there's one, uh, writer who's a lot older than the other ones. Um, and like, see what I mean about this? Like, 
the voyeur the sort of the vo- the element of voyeurism doesn't even really like enter when i'm having this like when i'm watching when i'm having this nice interaction right like it feels very normal to me just oh i'm i'm observing these interesting like people this interesting and you know kind of for all intents and purposes a bit diverse diverse group and watching them talk about their job mm-hmm. and that sort of a thing and it's just like it, it 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 reminds you of how quickly you can get to like oh like i'm yeah i'm watching all of this through a surveillance camera i'm spying on these these i don't know if they know i don't i haven't gotten a bad ending for that cage i don't know if they know that they're being surveilled i imagine their boss set that up as a way for making money for their bot like it makes sense that yeah the old hitler guy knew that his camera was in the room because if you're old and you're not working and he seems to be alone um you could use the money um these writers could clearly use the money but they're being observed um or like the activist for example who gets a lot of delivery food and you know is trying to yeah again trying to organize their neighborhood or whatever but like mm-hmm. you can't live off of that we all know like <laughs> living off of organizing like in almost only works in a very few specific contexts if you have a certain kind of a job like labor like if you work for an estate, a union for example um those jobs are incredibly competitive and hard to get so and like for all the rest of us who at least well at least for me not always but especially now do any and all political work and whatever free time i have left um yeah it makes sense why all of a sudden you're looking at the different all of a sudden you're looking at sort of like the different scenarios of the different cages and realizing oh it's all it's all varied based off of the sort of preconditional state of whatever that person's life was in some are probably collecting that money directly and others are yet again being taken advantage of uh i think that's enough from us about do not feed the monkeys or is it psych uh we've got a patreon now and the patreon link is going to be in the description um so if you were to click on that and simply you know sign without reading a long series of paperwork don't even worry about it that's right uh and sign up to the patreon uh we will have an extra half hour or so um of cut content that we're going to put together into a little bonus episode uh we're going to talk a bit more about the game we might talk a bit more about my very important taco bell order uh, we don't know yet because it, you know, I'm speaking right now and we haven't done it yet. So it could be anything. Um, we might announce that we're joining ISIS. You don't know. <laughs> and the only way to know, it is that one though. Uh, but the only way to know for sure is to uh, sign up to the Patreon, get behind that paywall, and finally have uh, human rights. That's the way to do it. That's right. You can finally hear if... Uh... <laughs> If, if we joined ISIS in April of 2023, um, I feel like they're going to make a big comeback a com- real yeah, soon. That's right. Now's the time. We're hedging our bets, really. Um, no, yeah, yeah. I watched Four Lions the other day, and now I'm like, that could be me. This this is the thing that all of you have been begging for: regular Agab content um, plus bonus stuff. Um, and my goodness, if you are a fan of when we talk about. All of the amazing video games that we do, uh, like Nicolas Cage movies, or um, yeah, Case Taco <laughs> Bell order, um, or uh, I don't know, we could uh, give behind uh, um, the the real get the real skinny on all the other content and stuff that we get up to. Uh, go ahead and go over to that Patreon um, and get yourself some goods. Um, cause it's going to be great. And, uh, you know, Agab nation forever. Um, and by Agab nation, I mean, literally a nation. We're literally raising money to found our own society. Um, a it's society, not a cult, a society of gamers. That is not a cult, not a cult. Yeah. Can't stress that one enough. Yeah. And also behind the paywall, I am frankly a bit more lax about the legally actionable nature of what I say. Let's go. <laughs> How can we get more, got, how can we get more <laughs> lax in that category? Go find out. Yeah, I got some things to say about the Pelosi household. Don't even worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
All right, that's it from us. Unless you're one of the, uh, you know, the the cool um, sexually viable contenders who that's are right. <laughs> who are behind the paywall. Uh, you can find me at K and Skittles on YouTube and Twitter. Uh, watch my videos. Don't read my tweets. Goodbye. Yeah. What about you, Kyle? Yeah, I'm just labor Kyle on things. We've both put out stuff since we last chatted. Uh, go watch my videos because no one else is. Oh man, don't say that. Come on. My last one got 700 views, okay? <laughs> Jesus! It's very... It's, All right. It's like my 12th most viewed video. Well, you, maybe we show up at YouTube HQ with a... Uh, well, you'll find out about that behind the paywall. Uh, goodbye. All gamers are bastards. Ah, ravioli. Ah, mamma mia.